Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about the issues younger women face as a result of a breast cancer diagnosis and treatment. According to data, the average age of someone diagnosed with breast cancer is 61. But every day, two women aged between 20 and 39 will be diagnosed. And the challenges they face can be different to other groups. Today, we're joined by Ruth Williams, who was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 38. Welcome, Ruth. Thank you. So was it a shock? Yes, it certainly it certainly was. There was no family history. It wasn't something that was on my radar at all. So it does come as quite a shock to find out you're the person that it's happened to. Did you know anyone in the younger age group that had had breast cancer? No. I mean, you sort of have this awareness of, you know, someone like Kylie Minogue, for example, um, but... Um, and maybe sort of acquaintances, friends of friends, um, but not really, no. And it wasn't even something I was particularly conscious as, as being a risk for me. You were also very busy in your life. You had two very young children, one of whom was only, what, 18 months? Mm. How did you feel, apart from shock, when you were given the diagnosis? Yeah, well, you, you know, um, the, the two children and um, working part-time as well. So you sort of have all this stuff going on um, and suddenly this comes out of nowhere, really, um, and all of that um, just sorts of, you know, it gets put on pause, if you like. What was your diagnosis? So it was um, stage three, so it was uh, in, um, had multiple lymph nodes involvement, grade three, so it was growing quite rapidly. Um, there were uh, at least two tumours and it was HER2 positive, um, which meant it was one of the more aggressive kinds as well. So what was your line of treatment? Take us through that. So first, because it was um, inoperable, at the time, so I had a reverse sequence, which was chemo first, uh, six rounds of um, what's called TCH chemo, um, concurrent with that at first and then ongoing for a year were infusions of Herceptin, um, then was uh, six weeks of radiation and finally um, a mastectomy and auxiliary clearance. It's a lot to take on, especially when you've got two very young children. How did you cope? Well, it was, yes, it was quite a process. Um, and when you're at the start of it, it seems like you'll never get to the end. Um, but you really just have to take it step by step and um, listen to your team and know that it will come to an end eventually. So 
remembering that was something that helped get me through. Um, but then drawing as much as I could on um, the support that was around me and the resources that were around me. Yeah. So you had a double mastectomy? No, single. Single. And uh, reconstruction? Yes. So the single was on the advice of my um, of my team. So for some women, a double is the best option, but for others, uh, it's considered over-treatment. So I took that advice. Um, yeah. We have a few women that elect for a, a double because they feel like their breasts have betrayed them and they just want them off. Yes. Did you consider that? I did briefly, but um, that was one area where I was happy to take the advice that I was given. Um, And it's always something I can revisit down the track, but um, for me, I felt like it was the right decision to go go single. So did you have your... um reconstruction at the same time that you had your mastectomy? Yes. So I had a um, expander, an air expander um, put in um, when I had the the major surgery. So um, that sort of works by gradually expanding the tissue to allow the implant to go in. So the short answer is yes, but in reality it was a three surgery process to finish the reconstruction. What was the impact on your family like? Well, it's it's a funny thing. My children were very small, um, so I sort of prepared them, but because I um, didn't lose my hair, uh, because I did um, scalp cooling, there was no sort of visible sign to them that there was something really wrong. Um, They were aware that I was going to the hospital regularly and at one point one of them sort of talked about how they go to childcare and daddy goes to work and mummy goes to hospital and that's quite heartbreaking to hear that. Um, But... So did you say that you were sick? Did you... Yeah, yeah. We sort of talked about how, how mummy had a sickness and um, was going to the hospital for that. Um, And then just things like sort of mentioning that I had a a delicate arm, for example, and keeping it simple and not giving them too much extra detail. Um, Yeah. Did you find you were able to really look after yourself? Because people with very young children know that young children are very needy and they're actually, through no fault of their own, not actually interested in what you need, they're interested in what they need. Yes. So were you able to really focus on you and how did that impact on you and your husband as a family? Yeah, I I was very lucky in that I had a lot of support around me from family and friends and I think, you know, if there's one piece of advice I'd give, it's to avail yourself of the support that's offered. Um, Are you naturally a person that would ask for help? No, not really, no. Um, I was also very fortunate to have a, um, a kinder that um, was able to look into and organise some childcare subsidy, special childcare subsidy, Um, which helped a lot. Um, So, 
Yeah, it was hard to find that time, but it also had to be a priority as well. Um, so you just sort of find a way through, you draw on what's available and the time, in a way I was more present for my children during that period because I wasn't at work. I wasn't in a sort of distracting high pressure work role. I had one job apart from, you know, your role within the family, which was to get through treatment. So, um, yeah, in some ways, it was, um, I was more available for them. Mm. How did the treatment affect you? What were some of the key side effects that well, you suffered? Well, yeah, so chemo is uh, a massive process. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult process. It is a process that you can get through um, with the right support. I sort of took a, a bit of a systematic approach where I looked at all of the um, side effects and thought about ways that I could counter them and my oncologist was great with that. So I was quite careful to exercise throughout chemo, which is a definitely a tip that I would give women is to stay active. Um, How do you think that helped you? I think it helped give me a sense that I was contributing to my own treatment. Um, it gave me an active thing to do. Um, it added to that feeling of positivity. Um, and, you know, exercise generally is good for you. And at this time, it, it just gave me that added boost. What about the bad days? What were they like? Can you... Yeah, well, the bad days are bad. There's days where you can't really get up at all. Um, one thing chemo does do is sort of strip away a lot of your ability to experience good things. So you can't taste your favourite foods. You, um, you know, I, when a few days after chemo, you know, your mind doesn't quite work as it normally would. So you can't, for in, perhaps you can't read a book or follow a movie. Um, it does make you very tired, so you can't get up and go for that walk or go catch up with friends. So did you accept that and do you just sleep or did you find something else to do? Well, a bit of everything. Um, I did six rounds and, and each round is different as well. Some are worse than others. Um, so it's just I did as much as I could and a couple of times I overdid it and ended up sort of being stuck somewhere, having walked there and realising I couldn't get back because I was too tired. So that's something that can happen, so don't do that. But um, And I think women particularly naturally tend to think to overdo it. Yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. But it was really important for me to stay as active as I could and stay as involved as I could. BCNA's online network is an active peer-to-peer -peer support community where people affected by breast cancer can find information and connect with others who understand what you're going through. Read posts, write your own, ask a question, start a discussion and support others. The online network is available for you at every stage of your breast cancer journey, as well as your family, partner and friends. For more information, visit bcna.org.au forward slash online network.
you had a full auxiliary clearance as well. Yes. Which makes you more susceptible to lymphedema. Mm. What sensations, what downside did you have from that, if any? Yeah, I'm lucky in that I've not had symptoms so far, but it will be a lifelong risk for me. Um, The need for a full auxiliary clearance was something I really pushed on and asked about and again was given the advice that it was appropriate. Um, So that was something I had had to listen to and do. Hopefully in years to come, women won't have to have all of their auxiliary nodes out. But anyway, I did. So one thing that I do do is see a specialist lymphedema physio quite regularly. Um, I don't have any sensation sort of under my arm, which is quite standard, I think. And then there's the sleeve that you need to wear on flights. So far for me, there hasn't been a problem, but it's something I'm really paranoid about. Long sleeves, mosquito repellent, gloves. So you're vigilant? I'm very vigilant, yes. Yeah. So to be vigilant can often be costly. Yes. You went through the private system, but you still felt a considerable financial burden, didn't you? I don't regret going private. I did go in um, with my eyes open and I was really happy with my breast surgeon and oncologist and plastic surgeon. They were a really good team. Um, And transparent, so you knew there were no nasty surprises? No, that's right. So it's really important to make sure you understand the costs and if you want to go private, you can get um, other cost breakdowns from other surgeons, other oncologists, other plastic surgeons. Can you negotiate? Well, you can, I think. Um, Radiation oncology is something where just from talking to other women who've been through the same thing, there seems to be quite a variance in how much people pay. So I definitely, um, it's really hard when you're going through that to try and be assertive and question the cost of things, but it's something that you really do need to do. And I find that people really don't hold it against you in any way. Um, it's it's just something that you, you really should do. Do you know how much out of pocket you are? I don't. Um, I was a bit too scared to add it up. For me, the, the costs, um, the associated costs, things like um, the scans, the diagnostic scans, for example, blood tests. So it's the ongoing costs. You're still being hit with them. Yeah, I mean, I still have ongoing costs. The lymphedema physio, who is wonderful, but that's a cost. Um, there's all sorts of things that, that are sort of ongoing. At the time, you know, I had to have regular echocardiograms because I was on Herceptin, so that's another regular cost. Um Yeah, there's all sorts of random things that come at you that you don't expect. And when you're trying to do the right thing and spend money on exercise, for example, or good food, which you should be doing anyway, but but at that time it's another extra cost as well. Yeah, frustrating. Yeah, frustrating and a feeling that things are getting a bit out of control and also perhaps 
just a resentment that why should I have to be paying for these extra things? Not that I expect anyone else to pay for them for me, but my peers are not paying for these things. Yeah. The only reason I need to buy these things is because of my diagnosis. Yeah, so it is. It must be frustrating, especially when you've got a family and, and there's only one pie and you've got to carve up the funds. Yeah, yeah. It all yeah. Adds up. And if I had my time again, I would probably be a bit more savvy about some of those ancillary costs, if you like. Um, things like, you know, buying a wig when it turns out I didn't need it. Um, Post-surgery clothes, you know, just you don't need as much as you think you will because it's not f forever that you're going to be recuperating. So, yeah. What about the impact on your life after treatment has finished? Yeah, well, it's been two years since treatment finished for me and it certainly, <laughs> it's such a cliche to say it changes your perspective, but it does. Um, there's one thing that you do struggle with is that fear of recurrence, which I think everybody struggles with. So getting on top of that and learning strategies to cope with that is um, really important. What are some of the ways you've tried to tackle that fear? Well, after a couple of false alarms, that, that helps. But also sort of setting yourself time frames, like if this is still bothering me in two weeks, then I'll go to my oncologist and get it looked at. Those sorts of things, you know, don't worry about something until you know you need to worry about it. And that was a really important lesson for me. During um, cancer treatment, there's all sorts of what ifs, things that might happen as a result of the treatment. The big lesson for me was not to worry about the what ifs, but to worry about what's right there that you're dealing with now because a lot of the what-ifs might never happen right. and you go through that process of worrying about it and it's wasted energy in a way. So I, I assume that maybe what if I lose my hair, which is why you got a wig, exactly. was one of them and it didn't <laughs> That's happen. <right. laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes, wait until you see how it goes. Yeah. Which is sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? It is and you feel like you want to act on it and get it fixed and get it sorted but in the meantime, you know, you're just going through horrendous stress and anxiety. So it's, I mean, it's, it's really hard not to give in to that. But the big thing that I learned was a lot of the what ifs won't happen. So don't worry about them until they do. And if they do, then deal with it. Did you experience any anger? Why me? Um or felt that it was unfair, any of those sort of emotions? Again, not that you wish it to happen to someone else, but feeling a little bit ripped off that your body has betrayed you in some way? No, I mean, I never had the why me thing um, it, because it is quite random. I mean, there's a certain puzzlement that you have as in, well, what was it? What was it that caused this to happen? Was it something I ate? Was it some sort of product I used? I mean, you're never going to know that. So 
Did that play on your mind though? Did you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you read through the risk factors and you're like, well, that applies, but that doesn't apply and that doesn't apply. So there's that puzzlement and curiosity about what it was. And there's also an eagerness to try not to do the same thing again. There was a a funny thing where um, early on there was sort of a weird thing about other women who'd had breast cancer who'd had um, less treatment or required less treatment than me, which I've talked to other women about and it is something that people can experience Um, and it was something I was conscious of and got on top of. But that comparing yourself to other women with Mm. breast cancer and, well, how come she doesn't have to do chemo and I do? Really weird emotions that don't make any sense, but these are the the sorts of weird things that your brain can sort of think of while it's working through what's happened, I guess. So you had the uh, mastectomy and the reconstruction at the same time. Is that something that was really important to you to have a reconstruction and are you happy with how it went? Yes, it was important to me and I I am happy with the outcome. I was not happy at the time with the kind of reconstruction I had to have, which was the lat dorsi with implant when I'd sort of had my heart set on um, the tummy tuck procedure but that wasn't an option for me so there had to be an acceptance that if if I was going to have a reconstruction that that this is what it would involve so that was quite hard at the time but I'm quite happy with how so is that another what if that you were worried about but has turned out to be fine yeah that's right I mean you there's no doubt that losing the lat dorsi muscle affects some things that you do. Such as? Um, Closing a car door is really hard. Uh, Riding a bike can be a bit strange if you've got, if you're carrying too much weight on it. I mean, I ride my bike everywhere. It doesn't stop me. But you sort of have, you're conscious that your movement has changed a bit. I don't regret it. um, And it certainly hasn't had a, major impact on my life in any way, but it is something that's different that I've had to deal with and work around. And also, I guess it depends on your lifestyle. If those muscles are really important, you yes. have to think about your reconstruction exactly. and what impact that's going to have on you. Yeah. I mean, I know women who were really into stand-up paddle boarding who uh, didn't do that, but I mean, I have done kayaking since and it's been fine so again it the impact might not be as bad as as you might fear Mm. it wasn't for me anyway what about the impact on your career yeah well with treatment you're basically taken away from your life for a year so you took you had to take 12 months off yes I took 12 months off and I was really lucky to have a, a wonderful Um, employer and very understanding and supportive employer and very supportive colleagues. Um, Was it that you didn't want to work, you didn't want to try and work through it or you physically couldn't? um, 
I don't think I could have worked through it with the kids as well. I think the children and treatment was enough, especially the kind of work I was doing in the media, which is really demanding work. It's hard to have an off day um, in journalism. So I... um, I took the year and, and it was the right thing and I'm very lucky that I was able to do that. But you leave a workplace for a year and you, you know, you fall behind on things. You're not up to date on what's going on. There's new systems that come in, new people. There's inevitably, if you're out of action for a year, there's opportunities that pass you by. So, yeah, it, it does affect your career in that respect. So how have you adjusted to that or accepted that? And how did you actually feel then when you did return to work? Going back to work was quite daunting. It's quite daunting going back through those doors and wondering if you'll be able to do the job. Having been a patient basically for 12 months, there can be a certain lack of confidence there and also a certain self-consciousness, I guess, because everybody knows what you've been through. Everybody was, again, wonderful and supportive, but it can be a hard time going back to work. Um, I've since changed jobs and changed careers, um, sort of sideways, nothing too radical, but I felt like it was time for a change for me. So I've been back in the workforce for two years now and I feel like I'm going pretty well um, and I'm yeah I'm sort of happy with with how things have gone but it did take a bit of bit of effort to get back to work and um, to get my confidence back as well. Mm. So as you said two years on now how is how is life? Life is good yeah it's um It's hard to believe that two years have passed in some ways and it's amazing how it does fade from your mind in a way and when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to believe and you almost don't want to hope in some ways that you'll get back to life as normal. But, you know, I was very lucky in that it has and... um, I've been able to get on with things really and enjoy my children and enjoy life, um, get on top of the the fear of recurrence um, and deal with the the sort of challenges that remain. But, yeah, things are pretty good. It's good to hear, Ruth. Thank you for joining us today on Upfront which is an episode that's been brought to you by Suzanne. You can find more information about our issues affecting young women with breast cancer on our website, bcna.org.au, or on our My Journey online tool at myjourney.org.au. The opinions of our guests are welcome, but not necessarily shared by BCNA. If you have any individual concerns, please contact your health professional. And if you like this episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being upfront with us. Thank you.